Welcome to episode 19 of the Gen X Photography Podcast. I'm your host, Mario Piper, and I thank you for joining with me. It's been a month, and uh, I know last month uh, was a bit of a different podcast, um, mainly because it was difficult for me to think about uh, some of the things that I wanted to talk about. Um, I trash talked <laughs> Portra 400, and I I am sorry that you had to listen to that because uh, I know a lot of you out there really do love uh, Portra. It's one of the uh, one of the most talked about uh, films in the film community, and I I can appreciate that. I just have an undying love for the cheaper stuff, you know, the consumer goods, the common man's. <laughs> Uh, working man's uh, film stocks, as Mike Gutterman would say. Um, I love Kodak Gold. I really, really, really love Kodak Gold. Um, I'm not going to go over its good qualities. I've already done that, but just just to say I can't get enough of it, and I've got more of it. <laughs> I keep uh, stockpiling film uh, more so nowadays. Uh, my freezer is full of film. But I tell you what, before I get too much further into that, I wanted to actually start off um, this episode uh, by saying a a huge, huge thank you uh, to the folks over at the Negative Positives podcast, Uh, Jessica Jones, Andre Dominguez, and of course, the... Uh, Grand Emperor Darth's—I was going to say Darth Sidious, Darth Gutterman himself. Um, I want to thank them all very much for having me on the on the the show last week. Um, it was a hoot, and uh, they probably got to see that I uh, I interrupt a lot, I talk a lot, uh, maybe laugh a little too much, um, but I I truly had a good time. And so if you haven't checked out their podcast, which I can't see how you're listening to my podcast and uh, not theirs, but if you haven't checked out their podcast, uh, I, I highly recommend it. They're in their 300s of episodes in the 350s, uh, and I'm only in my <laughs> less than 20, so I've got a ways to go. But uh, it's a great podcast, a, a weekly podcast. And uh, much to be discussed, or much is discussed uh, on that podcast uh, in covering all different kinds of subjects, especially film photography. So Negative Positives Podcast, uh, highly recommend it. And again, thank you guys so much for having me on. And to Roxana Angles, I, I really appreciate what you're doing uh, for the uh, women photographers um, on the Negative Positives podcast, uh, you make a twice a month um, a contribution by highlighting women f- film photographers, and it is it is amazing. The more you get to learn about photography and photographers in general, just how varied we are, and also how we all have share this common um, thread of the love of film, the love of analog, not necessarily just film, but just the analog way of doing things. Um, And I'm, I'm only starting in this, in this journey. 
I know it's been going on for almost two years, but I still feel like a newbie, so to speak. I still feel like a baby uh, in the film photography world. Um, but I'm learning a lot from, from so many uh, fellow photographers out there. And I want to thank you all for, for helping me to understand the process and just the, uh, just the, the entire uh, ecosystem of film photography. And I hope to continue in my, uh, in my learning uh, and, and in my journey of film photography. So again, thank you guys so much uh, at the Negative Positives uh, podcast. And I highly recommend you listen to them if you haven't. Well, I'll take a brief break and uh, come back to you with a a little something I found um, uh, this past month. Well, thank you for uh, putting up with that small break. Um, I wanted to talk about a, a little acquisition that I found. And when I say little, I do mean little. It's a, a, it's a type of a camera. And this type of a camera, uh, it's called a HIT type camera, although HIT, H-I-T, uh, was actually one brand, I believe, of this type of camera. It's a, what's called a sub-miniature camera. And to, to be honest, that word sub-miniature... Um, is about the most appropriate thing, appropriate way I could describe uh, this type of camera. HIT cameras, H-I-T cameras. They were made in the 40s, 50s, uh, and afterward, but largely in the 40s and 50s. Well, what were HIT, HIT cameras? Well, they're simple, simple cameras that are about one and a half inches wide. That's from left to right, not front to back but one and a half or so inches wide about the length of a roll of film about the same width as a roll of film and about the same height as a roll of 35 millimeter film incredibly tiny and believe it or not these cameras take film or they did take film they still do take film if if film is available which you can find some film uh, for hit type type cameras on ebay um, very expired, very, very expired. But what are these cameras, what, what were they like? Well, again, they were very small. They were film cameras. They were very simple. They had uh, exactly three different mechanisms. Well, I guess if you count, count the film uh, door opener as the fourth mechanism, they had four mechanisms, four moving parts you could say in on this camera there was the film door or the the, you know the film door back the the back of the camera you know uh there was that that opener so you pull up on my camera at least you pull up on a lever and the the door opens uh so you can insert film on the left side of the camera there's a uh film advance knob and it takes paperback film, and there's on the back door of the camera, there's a little window like there would be on 120, uh, 120 camera, a medium format camera for 120 film, uh, film indicator uh, window. So there's a film indicator window on the back, and you advance the lever uh, until you get to the next number. 
Now all this is based on the way I think it works because I've never actually actually shot this camera or shot with this camera and I'll ex explain why in just a minute. So there's the film uh, back door back back door opener, there's the film advance knob and then on the lens of the camera, on the lens barrel, there's the, on my example at least, there's the speed uh, or the shutter speed dial and on my camera there are two exactly two shutter speeds there's bulb hold the shutter open as long as you want and then there's about 1 25th of a second so that's about it very very simple and then on the left side of the of the lens barrel there's the the shutter release now this kind of camera uh was very uncomplicated the shutter itself was super simple it's called an everset shutter and what that means is as you pull the lever it it's a spring-loaded basically a spring-loaded shutter so it opens up and spring shut um, that's how the the shutter is uh, how, how it's mechanized I should say um, nothing more complicated than that and that's what gives you that very simple one-dimensional <laughs> uh, shutter speed um, variously from you know 125th of a second to 1/100th of a second um, depending on the model and some some models of these hit cameras were a little bit more uh, fancy um, maybe having an aperture setting or a larger array of shutter speeds um, but for the most part these were very very simple cameras or, you know, very simple cameras. And one of the reasons they were made was back after the uh, war in, you know, World War II uh, in Japan, you know, things were, things were dire there. And so, uh, it, you know, materials were in short supply, but Japan still wanted their people to, you know, go out and take, take photos. So they made just smaller versions that use less material. And uh, they ended up being fairly popular, many units were sold, uh, although they weren't sold primarily for uh, photography. In the, in the end, they were sold either A, as Christmas, or, Christmas ornaments, or B, uh, now so, more as collector's items. Now, I happened to pick mine up uh, for $5. <laughs> it was a good deal. Uh, $5 uh, from a man who... Um, uh, found out that I liked photography. I was buying something else from him, and he led me to a cabinet that he had in his basement and showed me some old cameras and just gave me the uh, hit camera for $5. I'm like, oh, okay. So I looked it up. It's a Shalco brand. I looked up Shalco camera and it introduced me to the world of hit cameras. Um, if you search on eBay or Etsy or any other of these other uh, online sites, you will see that hit cameras can fetch upwards of in the hundreds of dollars um, and it doesn't matter if they're necessarily that well kept they seem or the, at least the ones that I've seen on eBay they don't seem to be you know like other cameras where they're fetching high high dollars if they're in like new condition no these these can be fairly tarnished and in not great condition and yet still fetch incredible amounts of money a little bit more about hit type cameras 
they do have a, a viewfinder window. There's no information, and I'm, I'm going based on, I'm telling you all this based on my copy of my hit camera. There's no information in the, uh, in the viewfinder. It's simply a window, <laughs> a porthole to look, uh, to see what you're taking a photo of. Um, now my, uh, oh, a little bit more, I'm sorry about hit type cameras. They had, they used, uh, well, it was 17 millimeter film and it was a 14 by 14, uh, image on 17 and a half millimeter film. So pretty small, pretty small, about half the size of, uh, 36, uh, you know, I'm sorry, 30, 35 millimeter. Um, now how to shoot these, uh, the, these cameras? Well, that's part of the conundrum for me. I'd, I'd love to shoot this camera. I need to take it apart and readjust the, the shutter. It, it's, uh, a bit loose in there, so I need to, need to take it apart, but I've done it before and it's not that difficult, but to shoot these, these cameras, um, <laughs> it's, it's a bit of a challenge because the film that is available for these cameras is incredibly, incredibly old, very, very old, as old as the cameras themselves. Um, you know, very expired. Uh, and so that'd be kind of a challenge. I guess you could shoot the film not knowing exactly what it is, if it's black and white or color, and then just develop it, you know, uh, stand develop it, like uh, Leslie Lazenby from the FPP podcast, uh, what she uh, uh, recommends is to stand develop it in HC 110 in cold. Uh, well, I don't. I'm mixing up two different ideas, but um, you know, it, it, stand developing very very dilute HC 110 to water ratio, and. Uh, and usually that will help the situation. Another place I saw uh, develops their film um, in refrigerated uh, HC 110 dilute ratios, and that will help uh, cut down on any fog. But that's a, a different matter altogether. I'll talk a little bit more about it in just a minute. But uh, so the, the problem with this this film is not only is it very expired. Um, but it's also a, 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 a size or a, a, a film size that's just not a format, I should say, that's just not in use anymore. Um, so one workaround that I did see is somebody took a, uh, a, uh, a reel for 35 millimeter developing and cut it in half. And that way he could develop the 17 and a half millimeter uh, film, but barring that, you know, how do you develop the film? Um, that's the conundrum that I've, uh, one of the conundrums I've come into. Uh, I'm used to putting the film on a reel and then, you know, putting that in the dark, in the dark tank, the Patterson tank, and then developing it as normal. So how do you do that with a film that, you know, <laughs> is smaller than the, the slots that, that it would need to go into? That might be one workaround is to cut cut one of the uh one of the reels specifically for 17 and a half millimeter film um another thing though is the scarcity of the film and you know the age of it and how 
you know, difficult that might prove to be. So another possible workaround is to make one's own film. But to do that, you have to create that film from already, already existing film. Essentially, you have to unspool a 35-millimeter uh, roll, cut a 17-and-a-half-millimeter strip, and since there's no sprockets, you either cut it in half and use one half one time and one half the next, or you cut a 17-and-a-half-millimeter uh, uh, strip out of the center of the roll. And you have to do that in the dark, of course. And it has to be paperbacked and then marked so that you know which, which exposure you're on. Or if you want to just guesstimate it when you're shooting it, that might work as well. But it's just a challenge, a real challenge to, to make this film. And that's one of the interesting things about film photography is we've now at least settled on 35 millimeter, on 120, and on large format. Um, but there have been many film formats that have come and gone over the years. I've shot 828 film. That's a format that's hasn't been used for decades. And, uh, you know, same size as 35 millimeter, but doesn't have sprockets. And therefore the, uh, you know, the, the image size, the inherent image size on, on those spools is actually larger than 35 millimeter. But again, it's not used today. All, all the film that, you know, 828 that uses a, or all the all the 828 film is expired you can find rolls on ebay but it's all code of color x code of color 2 you know really old old film and you have to buy specialized cameras for it so it's just interesting uh with film photography uh the way things come and go and who knows what the future will you know, will hold regarding 35 millimeter film or 120 film or large format or film photography in general. You know, uh, it's kind of a golden time, a, a second golden time, maybe we could say, for film photography. There's a renewed interest in film photography. A lot of people are shooting film nowadays. But what is the future of it? Well, we don't know. Uh, as a, as we were talking with, uh, or as you know, we were talking on the negative positive podcast last week. Um, I think it was in the off time, not not actually on the podcast, but just in our conversations. We were talking about the the uh, I think it was last year uh, the five movie production companies that you know gave money to Kodak to help keep them in business because film is beautiful. There's no denying that film is beautiful, whether cinematically or photographically speaking. It's, it just makes a beautiful, beautiful um, a product, images, motion pictures. Uh, many, of the, many of my favorite films are sh- were, sh- well, shot on film, I guess. You could call them film films. <laughs> um, but once that money runs out, what's going to happen with us film photographers? Because quite honestly, it's been said that we don't really supply Kodak with the money to keep them afloat. We don't supply the money to keep these businesses afloat. It's, it's the movie industry, the cinematic industry that's keeping them going. So if they move on from film, well, where's that going to leave 
us photographers, or <laughs> photographers, where's my English? My, us uh, photographers. And that's where, you know, um, there's sort of a conundrum with whether to shoot new film and help keep Kodak and Ilford and Lomography and other companies like this, help keep them in, in business, or to learn to shoot expired film, knowing that, you know, in the future, possibly all film will be expired if no new film comes out, you know, 10 years from now. Who, who knows if that's going to happen? But it's a, it's a conundrum that I, I face quite a bit. Um, and, you know, I've told you about my, my true love of Kodak Gold, and I will continue to buy Kodak Gold as long as it continues being made because I really love that film stock. I love the grain. I love the inexpensiveness of it. I love the, the, uh, how it dries, or at least historically for me, how it dries flat, something that not even Portra in my one-time limited experience could say. I just love Kodak Gold, and so I'll continue to buy Kodak Gold new and shoot it regularly. But in addition, um, I've started started venturing beyond the Kodak uh, Gold and Kodak 2254 films that I really, truly love, and even Kodak Ektar. It's expensive, but it's a beautiful film. But I've started to experiment in... Um, you know, Lomography's offerings. Lomochrome Metropolis, I've, I've shot five rolls of that. It's interesting, not my favorite, but it's interesting, very interesting. It's been said that it's kind of like a, a color film for black and white shooters. Very, very muted tones. But recently, I shot my first roll of Lomochrome Purple. And I tell you what, I really like that film. I love, <laughs> I love how, uh, I mean, there's not a lot of greenery right now in Vermont where I live it's we're edging towards spring things are you know starting to warm up a tiny tiny bit you know we're in our you know we're gonna we're I think we're gonna get down to eight or nine tonight and later this week we might get up to 40 uh but we're you know we're starting we're starting to you know think about mud season and you know plants starting to come up, which is great for many things, including photography. Um, let's see, where was I going with that? Uh, oh, Lomochrome uh, Purple. Um, Lomochrome Purple, supposedly, and I can say truthfully, when it, whenever you shoot it, it turns green things into cool shades of purple and I just love that I really love it I love that's what one of the things I love about film is that the just the the creative possibilities that there are with film even if nothing's wrong with the film like say with this Lomochrome purple nothing was wrong with it it's just the way it was created it renders greens as purple so you should go outside and shoot trees in the summer or in in my house we have lots of lots of plants it's a a very planty house um, shooting those plants the the plants themselves were purple the oranges which you know our oranges weren't quite ripe so they had a little bit of a green hue to them they were purple kind of a, a mauve purple it was 
very, very interesting. Even my kids, they were kind of purple. I shot pictures of our firewood, and it kind of had a purplish tone, uh, hue to it. So it's a very interesting, interesting um, uh, film stock. So going back to moving a little bit beyond Kodak Gold and you know some of my favorites, I've started venturing out into some of these other uh, film stocks like Lomochrome Purple. But something recently that I've done is I've bought a lot of expired film, a lot of it, or at least what feels like a lot of it to me. I found a, a seller on Etsy uh, who sells weird, old, ex- obscure black and white films. Uh, I'm on my second roll of this uh, film. It's Kodak 697 film. And it is not an acetate or an estar based uh, f- film. It's paper film. <laughs> and not paperback film. It's paper film. The film is on is paper. And it's just the emulsion is, you know, adhered to the paper. Um, this film was expired in 1957. I mean, this is old, old film. But I inserted it into my camera, my Minolta SRT Super that I love. And, you know, it took a little while because it, paper bends differently than than Estar or acrylic or, you know, plastic-based film does. It actually creases like paper, you know? And so that was a bit challenging the first time I did it. But I advanced it, and knowing that it was old paper, I advanced it nice and slow, nice and slow, and took some photos. I had to... uh, I had to uh, meter it down to ISO 3 which I think I could have even brought it down to ISO 1.5, which I'm used to, you know. Some of the first film I shot was ISO 1.6 film, 2254. I love that film. But I could have metered it down to ISO 1.6 and been just fine. But anyways, I metered it at ISO 3, shot through the roll, and one day it was 20 exposures. And just basically basically because I was curious. I wanted to see what this film looked like. Um, So I developed it in normal HC 110 I believe it was a a ratio of maybe 5 milliliters to 100 or yeah 100 milliliters of uh, water 5 milliliters 5 5 ml of HC 110 to 100 ml of water and um, did that you know as refrigerated cold Development, not 68 degrees, but cold, very cold, uh, and that seemed to to really help. I can't remember the timing. I think maybe it was 12 minutes, 13 minutes, something along those lines. Um, but just standard development, you know, every minute did an agitation, standard fixing, uh, standard rinsing, um, and then let it hang to dry. And there were actually pretty cool images. I got a pi- image of my daughter. She almost looked. Uh, ghostly in the uh in the negative and especially in the positive um now a couple of uh hints about uh, that film and how to use it um i learned from the man who sold it uh you hang it up to dry and when it's almost dry you wrap it exposure side out around a smooth faced cylinder and so that way 
uh, it can flatten out because it is old film. It will curl. So wrap it around a smooth-faced um, cylinder, you know, glass jar or something like that, and let it dry overnight. You know, tape it so that it, uh, you know, won't, won't unfurl. And then scan it. And I scanned it just as a typical uh, exposure side down, scanned it as a, uh, uh, a negative, and the images came out positive. Black and white negative, the images came out uh, positive. Very interesting. Very, I, I can't tell if the images are grainy or if it's just the texture of the paper because the paper is, it, it's not smooth, you know, it's not smooth like a, an acetate-based uh, film stock. It's truly paper. So that was, uh, you know, one interesting foray into expired film. And I've, I've shot expired film before, but not to any great extent. But now I'm, I have a freezer full of expired film from old, weird, obscure, stereoscopic film or orthos, uh, or linograph uh, uh, film from Kodak. This paper film is linograph film. It's called 697 Linograph Shell Burst Film. Um, I've got Kodacolor X, Kodacolor 2, uh, Ectapress 100, expired in the 90s, Uh, a film stock that I tried finding out, you know, more about on the the internet, and I, I really couldn't, so... Shooting my first roll of that, I bought a, a, a box of film, a box of five, uh, five rolls, and I'm shooting my first roll. I'm going to uh, bracket it for ISO 100, box speed, ISO 50, ISO 25, and ISO 12, and just see which one, uh, when I develop it, which one seems to be the right, you know, right exposure. Um, and again, this, this is all just part of the experiment of film photography, and that kind of uh, existential question about do I buy new film and support the the uh, companies Kodak, Ilford, Lomography, others, or do I buy expired film with the idea that all film might be expired in the future? Well, I guess I'm choosing to do both. And I, you know, when I bought my first, you know, this first round of expired film, it was Kodacolor X and Kodacolor 2. I thought, you know, I'm going to save this for a special, special time. And now I have so much expired film, I can shoot it willy-nilly any old time I want and experiment and just have fun with it. And maybe I'll save the Kodak Gold for, uh, you know, fall when when the colors are ripe and rich. But I don't think so. I'll just shoot Kodak Gold any old time because I, I love it. So bottom line shoot film, have some fun. That's what uh, photography should be all about. Well, on that note, it, it's, <laughs> I've rambled on, rambled on, as I do, a long time. I hope you've enjoyed this uh, little tour into uh, hit-type cameras and expired film and, you know, just all things analog. And again, a huge, huge thank you to the the folks over at the Negative Positives podcast. I really had a blast. And again, I urge uh, any of you photographers out there, if you're one of the half a percent of people who haven't heard of their podcast and regularly listen, give them a listen. They are top-notch. All right.
Well, on that note, we'll see y'all later. Uh, Stay happy and shoot lots of film.